Hello, I'm Daniel Simpson, the host of Ancient Futures. And if you're hearing this, you're listening to a preview of an archived podcast. For the full conversation, go to ancientfutures.substack.com. The link is in the show notes and become a paid subscriber. Or you can also sign up for a free seven day trial with no obligation. If you already subscribe, however, you have access to everything via the website um, where you can go to your account page to set up a feed to your favourite podcast app. Just follow the instructions at ancientfutures.substack.com forward slash account. Now, everything is free at the time of release, so it's also possible to subscribe without any charge to get the latest episodes direct to your inbox, along with other interviews and things that I write. All of that does take time to produce, though, so while it's a labour of love, subscriber donations do help make it sustainable. But if you're not in a position to pay, just send me a message and we'll work something out. For now, on with the preview. Hello and welcome to Ancient Futures, where we start the new year with a trip to the archives. I'm Daniel Simpson, and today I'm joined by Dave Charlton and Runju Roy, whom I originally spoke to last January, and that was before I had this podcast, so our conversation got lost in the ether. And 23 episodes later, though, here we are with a wide-ranging chat about practical lessons from yoga philosophy. Now, Ranju was a, a recent guest here on Ancient Futures, and uh, we discussed his new book, Yoga as Pilgrimage. A few years earlier, though, I spoke to him and Dave about another book which they wrote together called Embodying the Yoga Sutra. So we start by discussing that and uh, how it looks at old ideas in contemporary ways. Um, and then we all explore what we've learned about life from our <laughs> decades collectively of practice, study and teaching. Now you can find out more about Dave and Ranji and uh, their courses and books via the links in the show notes. And uh, for more about what I'm up to in 2024... Um, including a monthly online men's group where we talk about life a bit like this, um, visit danielsimpson.info. Um, and finally, I'll be uh, sharing some news about plans for the podcast in next week's post um, at ancientfutures.substack.com, which is where this podcast resides if you're listening to it somewhere else. Um, and if you visit that page, you can also subscribe to get... Uh, the other material in your inbox. And if you feel so moved, also make a one-off donation or uh, pay as a subscriber to help keep me fueled and to keep these conversations going. Now, I've got some exciting ones already waiting to share. Um, so there's lots to look forward to in the months ahead. Um, but for now, let's talk about the yoga of everyday life with Ranji Roy and Dave Charlton. So, welcome, Dave Ranji. Um, nice to see you. Indeed, nice to see you. Yeah. yeah, thanks for inviting us. Oh, thanks for coming. Um, we had a chat um, in the flesh, you know, in, in the rare days of podcasts that were recorded not on Zoom. Um, yeah. I think it must be 2019, um, mm. just around the time that this, uh, this book came out, Embodying mm. the Yoga Sutra. And... Uh, really want to build on that conversation today but for those who didn't hear it <laughs> the sort of nutshell version is um 
I'd come out of a, a kind of scholarly context um, and uh, wanted to sort of say, why are you writing about the Yoga Sutra as if it's something you can embody? <laughs> Doesn't it just say you're supposed to sit down and shut up? <laughs> so, um, I guess in the spirit of you know rewinding to, to where we were, I just wonder why you chose that title um, when the text is ultimately talking in some ways about you know, going beyond the body. Disembodying. Disembodying. Well said, Ranji. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, before you can disembody, you have to embody. You have to come into yourself. I mean, and I feel that our contemporary world is possibly the least embodied culture of humanity that there has ever been that we are entirely living in our heads we well, i mean well, entirely but you know we are living predominantly in our heads we're living um a lot of our lives in some kind of virtual world you know if we're in a modern western context uh the educationalist in in, in a famous uh ted talk Ken, what was his name? Ken, whatever his name was. Ken, I've forgotten his second name, but anyway, <laughs> Ken. Ken, Ken. That Ken, um, who did a really good education talk uh, on the TED's podcast. He said that it sometimes feels like um, our 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 bodies are basically trolleys to to move our head from one meeting to another. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes it feels like that. So um the yoga sutra has got masses of really helpful you know whatever patanjali you know whatever academia or whatever patanjali meant even so there is a massive amount of stuff in the yoga sutra which is very helpful for an embodied experience and wherever you go post embodiment embodying is the is the first place it's a bit like you know people talk about uh, transcending the ego you know or whatever uh, but if you transcend the ego from a, an already unstable place you're likely to get psychosis or you're likely to get some kind of disintegration of, of personality and and it's far uh, better to actually start by stabilizing one's mind stabilize before transcending and i think that ha that that applies to the body as well yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I'll just add a couple of things to that, I think. Um, I think one thing is I, I would say that uh, the word embody kind of means to put into practice as well as actually into the physical body. And I, and I think that's that's one part of the idea of the book is actually to, to embody it in a sense of to make it real and something that you can practically use. I think it also acknowledges the fact that for most of us, our yoga practice um, starts with asana these days. It starts with, you know, um, the posture work and the breathing. And, and to be fair, the majority of the teachings we receive within this tradition are about those kinds of practices. So, mm -hmm. so and, and, you know, the yoga sutra was used as the basis for, for explaining those kinds of practices. So from that point of view, whatever its original intention might have been, the way that we were taught it and the way that we we applied it was very much to bring those principles into 
the bodily practice. <laughs> just as a final adjunct, this is a little sort of uh, <laughs> just just a little sticking the pin in a little bit. I um I do think there's a lot of talk about yoga and embodying, and and you know, and it's important for us all to embody this to become embodied. I think there's a bit of bullshit about that, actually. I think it's gone a little bit too far. And um, although I accept what Ranji said is that a lot of us are very disembodied in our life, I don't necessarily think in order to to take the journey of yoga, you have to um, spend such a lot of time embodying. I I mean, I still think Yoga Sutra is basically about this. (laughs) But that's the bottom line. That's a great point, Dave. And uh, anyone who's not watching the screen, tapping the side of his head there. And it's, it's in, you know, yoga is, uh, there's this chant that uh, the, the, the Iyengar world uh, produces at the start of a class, um, talking about, uh, you know, kind of honouring Patanjali, yogena uh, chitasya. <laughs> so it's uh, it's for chitta, it's not it's not for the purpose of the body. Um, then goes on to say that there was, uh, you know, another Patanjali who had his medical knowledge who <laughs> helped us out of other kinds of difficulties. Um, but yeah, yoga yoga is a, a practice relating to to what's going on between the ears. But I, I take both of your points. I think really, um, for most of us, it's very hard to engage with that, you know, abstractly. Um, mm. There are many yes. more people who are going to a postural yeah. yoga class and going on a you know, a long silent meditation retreat, for example. Um, and there's a different discipline involved, but they're leading to a similar place, perhaps, depending on how you engage with the, both practices, I suppose. Um, so I wonder with 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 you know, the body being something that's obviously been brought to the center um, in the last hundred years of yoga teaching. Um, and as you say, with an association uh, with the Yoga Sutra as the means, um, how that really gives us much to hold on to in, in you know, Patanjali's philosophical terms given that he is talking about the mind and the only thing he's really talking about doing with the body is, is, is stabilizing it. It's the Irasukamasana, making it stable and comfortable in order for it to, you know, in order to, to move into pranayama and, and then samyama, dharana, dhyana, samadhi. I, f- I feel that there are, many different levels levels which you can take the yoga sutra i'm i'm, I'm thinking of a fr- fractals you know fractals where yeah, you, yeah. you kind of um you go in and it's the same pattern at a more subtle level and then you go in again and it's the same pattern at this a more subtle level i'm thinking some something like that with the yoga sutra in as much as much of for, for example, what Patanjali talks about in the highest states of samadhi are is this kind of um, a, a, a narrowing down and a kind of a refining and a, a, yeah a, a, this kind of channeling in high states of samadhi, um, and each time you narrow down and channel, it, there's also a there's a there's a sort of a an opening as well there's but it's a bit it's con it sounds contradictory doesn't it to narrow down a channel and then open simultaneously but each each narrowing down is like an intensification of a process which opens something else out maybe like going through 
like uh, increasing the magnification on something and then seeing in finer and finer detail. Maybe you could take something like that. And he taught, there's lots and lots of sutras about this, about these esoteric states, particularly at the end of chapter one, these various different refined states of samadhi. But that process of um, focusing and relaxing and opening is also the process with which you get to samadhi, which is dharana dhyana samadhi. And then that focus itself, you can apply that that kind of narrowing down and focusing in order to open. You can apply to pranayama and you can apply to asana. So it's a kind of a, 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 a grosser levels. It's the same. Um, it's it's almost the same process, but at, at different levels. And I think you can get very, very into the esoteric fine stuff of Patanjali and become obsessed with, not become obsessed with it, but, you know, become very um, focused on that. The same principles can be used at much grosser levels uh, of the body, I, th- I think. Is that answer? I can't even remember what your question was. <laughs> well, it's really asking how it relates to, you know, something physical, given that it is, you know, about yeah. the refinement of perception. And and I suppose what always struck me when reading your book was you know, how you grounded it much more broadly in Sankhya philosophy. And, um, you know, anyone who's not studied a lot of, uh, of uh, Indian philosophy might wonder what that's all about. But to sum it up very simply, um, talking about how things are, you know, materially um manifest and so understanding embodiment as a way to actually understand reality as a way to perhaps see beyond these more refined states does fit into that fractal Mm. perspective Um, it's all about paying attention and then it's all about also you know how 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 are things aligned and Mm. uh, and what one can do with you know with that perspective perhaps I don't know why Dave, Dave, I'm sure Dave's got some things to say, but but one thing I'd like to say in terms of that is very much we were, we're body, breath, mind, you know, they're the three portals. But in terms of those three portals, in terms of those three aspects of ourselves, it's just always easier to go in through the grosser level of body, you know, the, the, the body is seen as a grosser, more tangible, more substantial thing than the the breath or the mind and they lead to an each one leads to the next so we can think of the engaging with the most tangible and the grossest as the doorway to 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 move into something more subtle and in that sense working you know working with embodiment through asana leads to embodiment through pranayama leads to perhaps moving into more subtle realms of meditation so there's a kind of a, a you know a, 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 an order in terms of subtlety. Start with the grossest first. Yeah, I mean, I I also think that we, I'm trying to think of the best way to to express this really. Um, you, whatever you're doing, whether you're embodying, moving, jumping around, sleep. Uh, I was going to say sleeping. Yes, even sleeping actually. Um, your mind's involved, mm-hmm. and, and 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 you know there's a certain um, quality of awareness that's involved. Whether you're doing asana, whether you're doing pranayama, whether you're sitting trying to, um, I don't know, just visualize something or, or focus on something. So, 
the, the, the mind is the constant there, actually. And, and, and in a way, yes, potentially talks very much about these states of meditation. But um, why can't these, med- these states of meditation be around the body? around the breath in pranayama in fact you, you, you know that is that's something that's that's mentioned a lot in the yoga sutra it's even there within the um you know the chapter three where we have all the cities a number of them are located in the body it seems mm-hmm. so i i think you can be working with the the mind in in a kind of embodied moving physical practice in the same way you could do it within a breathing practice, in, in the same way you could do it with, um, within just a plain sort of med- meditative practice. I think the common element is the mind. It's the attitude and it's the state of mind that you bring to it. And I, and I think this is, this is the way that um, we were kind of taught to practice the asana and pranayama. It, it, you know, it's about how do you do the asanas? How do you do the the pranayama what, what's your mind doing in that process so i think that's the mm. I, I think you know the mind's the common element basically mm. <laughs> and you know obviously unless we have a full frontal lobotomy yeah, or shuffle off this mortal coil then then the mind is in some way you know engaged yeah and, exactly and that, and that leads me sort of even beyond the realms of asana practice when you're talking about an embodied sort of moving (laughs) experience um being alive is an embodied (laughs) engagement with the world around in which the mind is in some way involved indeed and and i wonder then you know what it means to practice yoga in life rather than in terms of these physical techniques yoga off the mats you're talking about yeah I just sort of yeah the yoga of being alive um the, what 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 would it mean to bring this yogic uh, quality into day-to-day life i mean several of the chapters of the book actually address that in their titles and then mm. go on to speak you know quite specifically practically and philosophically about that but mm. i'm even curious to go beyond that to the, the realm of you know everyday conversational english <laughs> what is it that makes life you know lived in in, in a yogic way as opposed to a, a more mindless or um less disciplined would be another way of thinking of yoga way i think well, it's really go, go on dave go no on. no no you, you go first i, I, <laughs> I think it's really up. delicate to start talking about <clears throat> yoga beyond the mat without sounding either pious or hypocritical okay so mm. that's the first thing i'd like to say because um well acknowledged you know <laughs> yeah yeah pious or hypocritical um okay so Patanjali talks about yamas our relationships niyamas our our attitudes and perhaps that would be a good and he also in chapter one sutra 133 he talks about um how we might relate to other people different types of people um there are some very good guide you see we okay we all have our we all have personalities mm. and we also have tendencies and we also have 
pat- we, we yeah we have strong patterns in our behavior maybe the first thing that we can acknowledge is that we have some potential to ameliorate some of our negative traits and actually bringing co- consciously bringing um an awareness into how 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 sometimes we're unconsciously acting unskillfully that could be in the realms of lifestyle or relationship i mean we've all been in situations any anybody who's done any yoga will know that they will have had will have experienced imposter syndrome for sure because we've all screwed up in our relationships at one time or another we've all lost it we've all kind of thought oh god you know all of that kind of stuff so that we first thing don't give yourself too hard a time but on the other hand i think yoga does offer us some tools to just step back a moment and acknowledge that what is it that we're doing which is contributing to our suffering what in what in the sankhya karaka is called um adhyatmika dukkha you know suffering that we create of our own momentum you know of, of our own making mm-hmm. and yoga does address that and says you know there's quite a lot of it there's quite a lot of it that we're doing it's not just everybody else it's what are we doing and um I don't know. That's that's my starting point. Dave, help me out. <laughs> well, I was just basically, I was going to say with Jessica Joe, what she used to say, or, or said several times at least, the measure of yoga is your relationships. So he he felt very clear about that, that actually, you, you know, really the, the purpose of, of your yoga practice was to live in a way that was, was better, whatever that might mean. Um, and I, I, I think that's true. Even at a level, if you do a yoga practice regularly and you, and you feel a little bit more peaceful in life, mm. you know, it's something. It, it's something. Um, but I think if you look at the psychology that's presented in Yoga Sutra, for example, there are all sorts of ideas about the the mechanisms of how the mind works and how how the mind will. Um, create suffering for us and how the stories that we that we run and tell um create difficulties so i i, I do think and i, and I mean i mean I, I get what randy says and i completely agree you know whenever you start talking about this you, you just start to think about well if i look in the mirror <laughs> well, this I is healthy doing? i think you know if there's another sort of the other side of the coin to what randy said is um you know anyone who's not actually bigging themselves up and uh, telling everybody else what to do is probably on the right path because yeah. <laughs> they're actually conscious of the fact that you know they are flawed we're all flawed yeah. um and um to, to to admit that is probably quite helpful i, I find yeah. it just as difficult i mean i'm sitting here and it's kind of in pain from perhaps yoga related injuries that have made me feel like i've got no right to tell anybody anything because i'm sort of rather unskillfully coping with it day to day at the moment but uh you know at the same time we've learned things and, and yeah. it's you know it's important also to as ranji says you know be be i guess um yeah open to to, to seeing how that works and to talking about it because there mm. is there is there is something come back to your point dave about living with others and yeah, um, yeah it's real that something can um 
soften perhaps in in, in what might otherwise otherwise be sharp edged interactions yeah and i think that's a really what nice way to put it actually i i, I think there's i think it's nice to think about that that the idea of uh yeah a relationship to the world being a, a little softer a little more kind of easy somehow uh, mm. And we should always remember, I, I, I mean, I remember that this, this came from a Buddhist teacher, actually, that we should, that it's very easy when you get involved in, in anything like this to kind of almost like set, set a sort of a, a goal of perfection mm-hmm. when actually, you, you know, the reality is, as you, as you already pointed out, we're all flawed and at best we're all on a path of training and that means you're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> and um i i think it's always important to to remind myself that of that you know um it's it, it's always a work in progress it's a really nice phrase that the training thanks for tuning into this preview uh, to continue listening and to get access to all archived episodes along with other perks visit ancientfutures.substack.com dot com